Where do we make public promises? Think of, think of some of the places where you personally have made promises in front of other people. Hi pals, this is Blaine Hill with the Simply Stated podcast for the Journey Sunday School class at Lake Murray Presbyterian Church in Chapin, South Carolina. This season of the podcast is on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel according to Matthew, chapters 5 through 7. We've heard Jesus Jesus proclaim blessing in the Beatitudes and then teach on grudges and on reconciliation, on lust and adultery, and on divorce and marriage. Today, we're reading Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 and 34 on oaths and honesty. I'll try to get back, I'll try to get the basic ideas of the passage simply stated. Then we'll see what we can learn about the person of Jesus, what we can learn theologically, learn about eternity, and take some ethical guides from the reading. But first, here's the passage itself. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your yes, let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. So let me come around and, and let's think about where do we make public promises and oaths? Well, in a courtroom, we swear to, t- swear to tell the truth and the whole truth. Uh, the Pledge of Allegiance is a kind of oath and promise. We can think of fraternities and sororities that could be in college or the Masons or the Moose or the Eastern Star. And then in the church, we make promises. We take vows of ordination for deacons, for elders and ministers. So what do we make of these oaths? Because an oath is just a public promise. What do we make of them in light of this command? Well, we'll start by stating things simply. The larger topic is uh, what we say. Truthfulness, candor. Jesus uh, has just dealt with the importance of our temper, then our morals, and now the importance of how we speak. Once again, he uses an antithesis to set up his ideas. You have heard, but I say to you, he is fulfilling the laws he promised earlier on. What are, what are the places where we might have heard this? Well, uh, some places in the Old Testament require oaths. And there's a spot in Deuteronomy and a place in the Psalm that talks about fulfilling oaths made to the Lord. And then there's a very practical connection, too, to the Tenth Commandment. Uh, You can find that in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, The Third Commandment is not to use God's name in vain. Uh, So, uh, in a sense, the the idea is that um, would we make an oath uh, in God's name, as in, I swear to God, uh, unless we very seriously meant it. And Jesus is saying, just say yes or no. The ninth commandment instructs us not to bear false witness against our neighbor. And that meant don't lie against them in court or say something that's untrue. 
Um, but Jesus is getting more at more than that once again. He is saying more than a, a rule um, a, against lying. This is a command to be truthful. And that's an important part. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Speak with uh, candor and clarity and most of all just truthfulness. So Jesus is calling for us to be truthful in our speech. Um, there are four items. Maybe these are things people swore on in Jesus' day. I swear on heaven or I swear on earth or on Jerusalem or on my own head. Um, interestingly enough, each one of these is a matter of presumption. The first three are kind of evasive ways of swearing by God without literally swearing by God and thus risking breaking the third commandment. Um, it was a hedge against not using God's name in vain. But it, it, swearing by heaven or earth or Jerusalem, all of that is to swear by God. And so is presumptuous. And then to swear by our own head, well, we don't have any real control over that either. Um, and, and so it may, maybe it personalizes the oath, but Jesus isn't buying that. Uh, Jesus is making a very clear direction for clear speech. Not painted or fussy speech, uh, but to say yes and to say no. To be honest and candid and open. Um, even our own life isn't our own to swear upon. Um, Emil Bruner points out that uh, the interpretation of this passage is a kind of history in evasions. Uh, for some, for instance, some people see Jesus as forbidding us from actively making an oath, but he allows us to take an oath if we're called on to do so. That's a nice distinction, but it's maybe too nice and too clever by half and hardly seems the spirit of saying, letting yes be yes and no be no. Uh, Jesus is calling upon us for clear uh, and direct answers that other people can rely on. That's that's the real key here. Can people rely on your simple word, Jesus is pointing out, without having to uh, uh, resort to to oaths and and calling upon um, the doom of our own body or calling upon God and God and presuming upon Him? Why not just answer straightly? Jesus is telling us. Well, that, that gets the essence of the passage stated simply. This one is perhaps not so hard to understand uh, the, the, once we know that Jerusalem is the main city of the people of God. We can understand heaven and earth as being uh, things beyond our control. Let's see what the passage teaches us in a more deep way. What does the, what did Jesus' words reveal about him? Uh, well, Jesus is creating an obvious and a building tension. Uh, he has a radical insistence on honoring marriage vows. And now he has a face, re reject, face value rejection of vows. Well, we're supposed to honor marriage vows, but he rejects vows, vows and vow making. Hmm, that's very, very puzzling. I believe this is another clear case of Jesus um, using provocative lang language. There was a German philosopher, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, very important in World War II. Uh, and he has expressed, um, well, let's, let's, let me just read him. The Old Testament had expressed its condemnation of untruthfulness by the use of the oath. Jesus 
condemns untruthfulness by forbidding oaths altogether. It also goes without saying that he admits no exceptions, however high the court of law may be. The command rubs our conscience. It politicizes even. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But uh, what Bonhoeffer, well, we'll get to that in the ethical section. What's the theology? What are the ideas we can draw from this teaching? Refusing literally to take oaths would put us in conflict with the state, especially back in Jesus' time. And Jesus uh, perhaps provokes us to be in tension with the power of government, to keep us from idolizing government as the source of our safety. We In America, we have a very peculiar situation in that we are citizens and not subjects. Um, and so our relationship to the government is peculiar in that way. We are, um, the government draws its power from us. At least that's the political theory behind it, which is quite different than things were in Jesus' day. People were subjects who were called upon to give the loyalty that they owed to the state. Uh, whereas we, we are citizens who, um, give what loyalty we may because we make up the government. We know that the government in the United States does not have the highest claim upon our lives. Not only does it not as Christians, because we won't give anything our highest claim, but uh, as citizens here, uh, we know the state is for us uh, and from us. And so it is, we don't exist for the federal or state government. At the same time, uh, we, our Christian faith does call us from time to time to live in tension and conflict with our government. So uh, there's a, a kind of uh, tension within uh, uh, that Jesus is intentionally making, setting us uh, in tension with whatever government we serve. We probably should take this as a chance to remember to pray for Christians in places like Iran or North Korea and even China, uh, knowing that simply living as a gospel, a, a gospel person, as a disciple of Jesus, puts them in serious conflict with their government. Um, going on, um, it's worth thinking about marriage requiring taking vows and the honoring. And Jesus requires us to honor those vows. Um, uh, so that, that it, this is just a puzzling passage. You know, is Jesus um, challenging marriage vows? No, he just spent very sharp teaching, calling on people to treat marriage as holy and d- distinct. So uh, theologically, we can we see that the passage reminds us of ordering our priorities, that our loyalty to the Lord exceeds our loyalty to everyone else. And um, it certainly says that when we say yes to someone in marriage, uh, that Jesus expects us to keep that in a straightforward way. Well, let's go on and talk about eternity. How does this teaching link our everyday life and eternity? Well, if we're called to eternity in the kingdom of heaven, we, we need to start now to think and act and speak with a much longer time horizon. If you think about it, lies only work out for a limited time. When the truth comes out, everything collapses. Not only the one lie that we may have told, but the relationship in which the lie was told uh, is uh, seriously hurt. And future speech becomes suspect once we know, once someone knows we've lied or we've learned, learned that they lie. Uh, well, and in light 
of eternity and the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. Well, we know we should speak the truth because whatever lies we tell, they're going to be revealed. We need to begin speaking the truth because it is the language of eternity. And uh, so we should begin practicing and living into that reality now. We get to live as children of the kingdom of heaven by uh, letting our yes mean yes and not something else. And our no mean no and not something in the middle. So uh, something as simple as truth-telling connects us into eternity. Well, what about ethics? This one is clearly an ethical teaching. What ethical teaching or guide can we take from today's reading? Um, Perhaps the first is that we should live so scrupulously, honestly, and reliably that you don't ever need to swear an oath, that you don't need to create another category of maybe talking truthfully, that um, we should just begin to speak honestly. And, And that doesn't mean that we have to say every thought that comes into our brain, of course, about, you know, uh, that's not what Jesus is saying, but in reply to questions or a situation that calls for our thought that we should do so with with a trustworthy honesty. So, let's, let's think of today's teaching um, in light of earlier passages. How would trustworthy candor change our ability to seek reconciliation instead of nursing a grudge? Uh, how, how could uh, candor help us to work out both the small and the large conflicts in marriage? Um, think about how important it is to know that you can, even, even when we're aggravated or frustrated with our husband and wife, to know that we can trust them And their speech is an enormously uh, useful way to live our lives. Um, I mean, that that may be one of the key things to keep a marriage going through dissatisfaction instead of seeking a divorce. To simply know you can trust the other person's words, uh, including their word, uh, to stick through and work through the marriage. So we see right away away that Jesus' um, command... To let our yes be a yes and our no be a no is an enormously powerful tool in life. I mean, we could extend it um, to business and to friendships. Um, Or imagine a politician you trusted not only to be honest, but to be direct and candid. Uh, Gosh, could you get elected? Uh, Maybe so. uh, But if you felt like when you listened to the debate stage for politicians trying to become president, that they were really being candid and honest there. Um, that could go a long way. If nothing else, to help us decide, no, I don't think that person's uh, ideas are good for the country, uh, even if I do trust the words that they say. Uh, what, what a helpful thing that would be. Um, here's one. What does swearing an oath connote about truthfulness and trustworthiness in the rest of our speech. Uh, you know, one of the great, one way you can sometimes spot a liar is they start think, spontaneously saying things like, I swear to God, when they're, when they're confronted. Um, what, what does it mean that we need a, two classes of speech? One where we're really sure people are going to be truthful and trustworthy. And then ordinary speech where you got to kind of work it out. That seems just like a terrible way to organize talking to one another. 
um, that we, we can't really know. I mean, so often that's, that is the way we do it. We have to think about someone's words and whether they're really trustworthy. But uh, hopefully we all know people. Maybe they're a friend. Maybe you don't even care for the person. But you know you can trust what they say. Um, that's a really valuable relationship uh, to, to have. So um, this, this passage urges us not to have two kinds of speech, to be double-tongued. Um, so I challenge you uh, in this coming week uh, to be clear in what you say. When you say yes, to let it really mean yes. When you say no, to re- let it mean no. And maybe, maybe this speech also drives us to a third thing. Sometimes to say, I don't know, uh, and to be candid in our ignorance and to have the courage uh, to be truthful in that way as well. Well, pals, I hope that this week you get some practice in talking in the language of eternity, being clear and straightforward and letting your yes be yes and your no be no. And finally, I want to say to remind you that God has said yes to you through his son, Jesus Christ. We all know that there are parts of our life that God says no to. The Bible word for that is sin. I've got them and I have to tell you, you do too. But God's word to you yourself is yes. And through his son, Jesus, and by the power of the spirit, God wants, invites, has worked to bring you into his kingdom. And uh, as you go through this week, remember God has said yes to you in his son, Jesus. God bless you all. And I hope you get a chance to read again through Matthew chapter 25, verses 33 through 37. That's what we read today. And let your yes be yes and your no be no. Thanks for listening here on uh, to Simply Stated. God bless you all.